very dramatic. That's very dramatic, huh? It's, following Jesus is, is dramatic. It's, it's also a lot of fun. Um, you know, in pre-service prayer, we had uh, someone prayed, um, I think it was Aaron who prayed about God being the I am. And as Greg was sharing, who am I? Who am I? Who am I? I heard the Lord respond, I am. See, it doesn't matter who we are if we're sent by the I am. Because I am transforms who am I into a carrier of his presence and a carrier of his spirit. Um, last night, I had an interesting experience. I was going over my notes, and, and the Lord said, I want you to share something different before you share your message. And um, this is just such an awesome experience where you've prepared your notes, you have your notes, all of you have my notes, we have the PowerPoint, we have, we have it all planned, but God sometimes changes the plan. Have you ever had God change your plans? Okay, a couple of you. Well, the rest of you, your plans will literally change right now um, for this service. Um, when I was a little boy, I used to play outside all the time from sunrise to sunset. We were gone like 12, 15 hours a day, <laughs> playing outside, building forts in the woods playing sports, playing, you know, going to 7-Eleven when we were a little bit older on our bikes and, and all of this. We were just gone. We were just adventuring. Anyone grow up in that, in that era of just you're gone and you're, you think your parents love you and uh, you're just out there in the world just like doing stuff and, and you almost feel like your life is your own, you know, for that 12 hours. You go where you want to go. You do what you want to do. And sometimes you get into a little bit of trouble, I have to admit, um, but there was just so much freedom and so much adventure. And we'd play sports in the streets and I grew up in a fairly flat neighborhood. In fact, all of Long Island where I grew up was fairly flat. And so we would play baseball in the streets and kickball in the streets and soccer in the streets and roller hockey in the streets and everything happened in the streets. And I remember these moments where I'd be playing baseball in the streets and I was a pretty extreme competitive kind of kid. And I remember playing baseball and I was the type of kid where we're playing on asphalt, like on concrete, and I would hit the ball and I'd be running to first base. Now instead of running into first base, I would actually slide into first base on the asphalt. Like I did anything I possibly could to get to first base. And I would have that kind of mentality throughout my life where I, I would just go after things at any cost. I didn't think about my own body. I didn't think about the fact that I was going to get cut and I was going to get um, bruised. And, and, and this is actually the way I play soccer right now. I'm not the most skilled player, but, but still at my age of, of 25, I, I still... I still play soccer really hard. And it's, it's interesting because I, I, I'm not kind of in the game until I slide tackle somebody. 
Um, I'm just kind of like walking around, jogging around. But when I, when I hit someone, it's like I'm in the game now. Anybody with me? Yeah. Who wants to play, who wants to play soccer today after the service? I desire to get the ball at any cost. I think about growing up in New York and there's some things I miss about New York. One of those being fresh cannolis from New York City. The best cannolis that we found, they, it used to be Ferrara's, which is in lower Manhattan, but actually it's up in the Bronx on Arthur Avenue is just fantastic cannolis, good crunch, great filling, traditional. We don't mess around with toppings and all this stuff. It's just traditional filling. What I would give for one of those cannolis right now, I can almost taste it, but there's a great cost to flying to New York to get a cannoli. There's a great cost I think about my spiritual life, and I've always been somewhat of an extreme, passionate follower of Jesus. But for a few years, I kind of hit a bit of a lull. I was comfortable. Comfortable doing the same thing over and over again. Comfortable even with ministry. Comfortable with like my preparation and my delivery. And comfortable speaking in front of people. I don't really get nervous about that anymore. I just kind of became comfortable. And I felt the last few weeks the Lord saying, don't get comfortable. I just feel this fervency to pray more. To worship more to pour out my heart before the Lord more, to posture myself to receive from him more. I felt myself the last few weeks getting extremely hungry for more of God. I think about the, some of the people that God has touched over the years to, to use in revival, and I, I think of people like William Seymour, William Seymour was a one-eyed black man in 1906 that God chose to send to California to Azusa Street to a warehouse. And this warehouse was a simple structure. There's nothing pretty about it. It's just an empty building and people would come to these meetings and, and William Seymour, this one-eyed black man, would sit at the front with a box on his head and when the Lord told him to speak, he would take the box off and he would share what the Lord had for him and for the people. And it says that the power of God was so strong in this place that there was a visible flame that was ascending and descending over this building. It says the fire department came multiple times to this location thinking there was a fire. But the power of God was coming upon this place so powerfully, people blocks away would be walking toward the meeting place and they would be touched by God. People would be saved and healed a block away because of what God was doing. But William Seymour gave up everything for God. 
You think, well, that's a little extreme. I don't want to put a box on my head. God's not calling you to put a box on your head. The theme of this, this pre-message to the message is, are you hungry? How many of you want to see revival? There's a revival going on right now. In Asbury, Kentucky, Asbury University in Kentucky, students gathered on campus for a chapel service on Wednesday. And these students felt a hunger for God. It wasn't called Revival Chapel, they just came to chapel. They came to chapel and students didn't wanna leave chapel. I remember going to boarding school and we had to go to chapel. The only thing great about chapel was the end. We wanted to get out of chapel as soon as possible, but we had to be there or we'd get points off of our grades. I mean, chapel was dry. But these students didn't want to leave chapel. They wanted to stay a little bit longer. And so they stayed and they prayed after the chapel service was over. And they just kept praying. They're still praying. God started a prayer meeting on Wednesday and it's still happening. This is going 96 hours and people don't wanna leave. And, and you know what the professors did? The professors canceled classes. They canceled assignments. People from all over the states are now flying to Kentucky. Because people are hungry. How hungry are you? Would you stay after the service? Would you pray right through till tomorrow? Would you pray all week? How hungry are you? You know, well, you don't understand, Joel. I, I, I gotta get, I got stuff to do. I got stuff to do, Joel. I got, I got my job. I got this. I got that. I got to take the kids here. I got to take. I, I get it. I get it. I, I just think that it costs. The Lord said to me last night from Isaiah 43. He said, forget the former things. Do not dwell on the past. See, I am doing a new thing. Now it springs up. Do you not perceive it? I'm making a way in the desert and streams in the wasteland. The wild animals honor me, the jackals and the owls, because I provide water in the desert and, and, and streams in the wasteland to give drink to my people, my chosen, the people I formed for myself, that they may proclaim my praise. The Lord is saying, I am doing a new thing. You know, I believe that God has been doing a new thing here at Northside. 
I believe that God is stirring in our hearts a love for each other, a love for community. God is stirring within us this desire to gather more, to worship more deeply, to pray, to, to dig into God's word. There's just a freshness. There's people joining life groups and joining discipleship classes, wanting to go on hikes together, wanting to go for coffee or tea together. I felt the Lord say, this is, this is the beginning, but there is more. There's more for my people. I'm doing a new thing, Joel. Do you, do you perceive it? Do you want it? Do you want what God has for you at any cost? I learned a long time ago that ministry is a hard road. Ministry is a road filled with defeat, suffering, sadness, loss, anxiety, moments of fear, frustration, discouragement. But ministry is also a place of joy and victory and healing and restoration and celebration and encouragement and unity. And ministry is both of these things. It is a paradox. Jesus does not say, take up your couch and follow me. He doesn't say, take up your favorite recliner, Joel, from Lazy Boy, and follow me. He says, Joel, take up your cross. And he also says, I will take your burden. My yoke is easy. It's both. It is deep distress in prayer and it is peace and passion and joy in prayer. It's not one or the other. And so many times we focus on one or the other, we say on one side, like it's all loss, it's all destruction, it's never gonna be good, it's the end times, they're just gonna get darker and darker and darker and we'll suffer more and more and more and more and more. And then on the other side, we just ignore everything and we go, it's wonderful, it's rainbows and kittens and candy, join us. Maybe you don't like kittens, puppies. This kingdom is an upside-down kingdom. It is both all of these things that I talk about. And Jesus looks at his church, his bride, whom he wants to be pure 
who he created to be holy. And he says, how hungry are you? How hungry are you for me, Jesus says? How hungry are you for my presence? How hungry are you to see people touched miraculously by the power of God? How hungry are you to see people saved, healed, delivered? How hungry are you? And then I felt the Lord say to me last night, I am doing this new thing. I've been doing it for a while in these people. And I will tell you this, that when I worship in this church on a Sunday morning, I'll tell you what's brought up in staff meetings more than anything else the past year. This is what's brought up in staff meetings, not the sermon, not stories of kids' ministry, although those are wonderful. What's brought up the most on our, in our Tuesday staff meetings is, could, did you hear the people worship? See, you're already there, you just don't know it. You are hungry for more of God, which is why you have changed in worship. There's transformation happening in worship. The congregation is leading the worship team in worship. You sing louder than they do. It's, it's like you have microphones. And I'm not saying this for you to go, wow, I'm a great singer, because we really all aren't. I'm not a great singer, believe me. At times, I, I see my wife next to me wince, but that's okay. It's okay, because up in heaven, Jesus has an amplifier. He showed me this a long time ago. This is fresh revelation. Up, up in heaven, he has, because heaven is up, right? So up in heaven, Jesus has an amplifier, and my words go through. And it comes through, and it sounds like angels. And he loves it. He loves my worship the most. Sorry, Keaton. My worship is the most beautiful to his ears. And so the amazing thing about what I see here, and I don't know why I've been missing it, I don't know why I've been waiting for a new thing, because the Lord says, it's here. It's in the people, it's, it's in you. You're, you are a part of this new thing, and it is springing up. It is springing up in the wasteland. The, the Bible says, in the wasteland, there will be streams. In the desert, there will be streams. I'll provide water in the desert. I am doing a new thing. The people I formed for myself, the Lord says, will proclaim my praise. Only the hungry will be filled. Those that are satisfied have no room for anything else. 
Matthew chapter 5. We have a famous sermon that isn't actually a sermon at all. It's a series of principles that Jesus introduces us to an upside-down kingdom. Some call this Sermon on the Mount. In Matthew, it's called the Sermon on the Mount. Jesus goes up on a mount and he sits down. In Luke, for some reason, it's called the Sermon on the Plain. (laughs) Some call it the Beatitudes. The point is, it's a series of the most powerful principles for Christian living you'll find. And each one of them is a paradox. It is actually two opposites that exist at the same time. These aren't new to Jesus. These are actually ancient writings. It's a way that the Jewish people would write. They're called aphorisms. Some examples today would be, if it ain't broke, don't fix it. Early bird gets the, tis better to have loved and lost than never to have loved at all. Lord Tennyson. Remember that man this week, Valentine's Day, February 14th. But you know what you do? Don't celebrate on February 14th. Celebrate on February 13th. You'll surprise her. (laughs) Little secret. I'm surprising my wife on February 15th. (laughs) Because I wanted to surprise her. There was no reservations on the 14th. Actually, men, you should, you should love your wife so much she thinks every day is Valentine's Day. Thought that would get a much bigger reaction, but I guess not. <laughs> now, when Jesus saw the crowds, he went up on a mountainside and sat down. His disciples came to him. And he began to teach them. This is actually often the way that rabbis would teach is they would sit down. I know you probably thought that they had like a big tent and they had a big stage and they would take it from place to place. And, but this is often the way that a rabbi would teach and people would gather around the rabbi. So obviously there's lots of people in this setting. So Jesus went up a little bit higher to be seen and he began to teach. And he said, blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. Blessed are the meek, for they will inherit the earth. Blessed are those who hunger and thirst for righteousness, for they will be filled. Blessed are the merciful, for they will be shown mercy. Blessed are the pure in heart, for they will see God. Blessed are the peacemakers, 
for they will be called children of God. Blessed are those who are persecuted because of righteousness, for theirs is the kingdom of heaven. Blessed are you when people insult you, persecute you, and falsely say all kinds of evil against you because of me. Rejoice and be glad. Sure. Sure, Jesus. That's, that's the exact moment I was thinking about rejoicing already. <laughs> Jesus always points out the obvious. For in the same way they persecuted the prophets who were before you. This is the upside down kingdom I speak about. This is the paradoxical kingdom that we live in. This is where two contrary ideas, contrary concepts exist at the same time. And we're gonna look at the first one today. Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom. The word poor means utterly, utterly destitute, with no means of self-support. Poor means wholly dependent upon someone else for sustenance. Sam Storms says that a poverty of spirit, to be poor in spirit then, is the acknowledgement of spiritual bankruptcy, the conscious confession of absolute spiritual destitution before God. To be poor in spirit is to be desperate, to be hungry, to desire nothing else other than Jesus. The desperate will be in the kingdom of heaven. Jesus is not referring to heaven as a place in the afterlife. He's including that, but he's not speaking about that. Jesus says, theirs is the kingdom. It's present tense. Jesus is speaking of the now and not yet kingdom of God. Jesus is speaking about the kingdom of God that we realize and we live in here on the earth. As we talked about last week, when Jesus preached the gospel and he taught with authority and he taught with power, he taught that the kingdom of God is here. Now, it's around you. Do you perceive it? Do you see it? It is water in a wasteland. It is streams in the desert. Do you see it? Do you perceive it? Jesus is, is preaching a message like this. Those that are poor, not financially, those that are desperate, those that are hungry, those that want more of God, theirs is the kingdom. Theirs is the kingdom. Humility is the way to obtain the kingdom of heaven. The biggest obstacle we have to experiencing more of the kingdom is satisfaction with where we've been at. There is more. And I know you know this because I see the way you worship. And I know you want this because I see the way you worship. 
is see the way you talk to each other, meet with each other, drink all of our coffee. I see it. I perceive it. Transformation follows desperation. When I first graduated from university, I thought I was gonna go into full-time ministry. And at the time, I was a little prideful. So I thought I was gonna be immediately like pastor of like a mega church. I know, it's horrible. I even wrote Billy Graham a message. And I said, if you want anyone to travel around with you, I'll, I'll travel with you. I actually did. He didn't respond. <laughs> but he did send me a letter from Samaritan's Purse. I'll take it. <laughs> Dear Joel, Joel was spelled wrong. Thank you so much for giving to Samaritan's Purse. Had nothing to do with what I wrote him, of course, because I was prideful. So I went into construction, actually, and I was sweeping floors on a construction site. I wasn't satisfied with sweeping floors. So I said to the foreman, hey, I can also do carpentry. He's like, sweet, bring your stuff. So I started doing carpentry. But I wasn't satisfied with carpentry either, and so I, I showed up and I was diligent, and then there was an opening for a project coordinator position. I never went to school for that, but I was hungry, and I had to provide for my wife. It was just me and you back then. That's craziness. I remember we had one car, and I would, you know, drive her to work at Metrotown, then drive downtown to work, and it was just such a crazy time, but I, I, was, I was hungry. And then another position came up as a project manager, and I moved from project coordinator to project manager. And then I moved from project manager to construction manager. All of this in three years, and I never went to school for it. But I was hungry. And then when the position for executive pastor came up here, I was hungry. And I feel that this hunger, this desire for more, is what God is looking for. This hunger like these young people in Kentucky right now. This is what it means to be poor in spirit. Wholly dependent upon God. Wholly dependent, desperate for him. Jesus or nothing else. To go where you've never gone, you have to do what you've never done. God is looking for a hungry church. 